Let us pray. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. everlasting life. Grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the light, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 
Please be seated for the reading of the lessons. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news of Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
reading from the first letter of John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of the Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks.
Christ according to John. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. If you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you also abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of the one holy, undivided Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am always fascinated to learn how people come to experience God in their lives. Hands down, it is absolutely one of the best parts of my job as a parish priest. So often I have the privilege to sit down with people from all walks of life and circumstances. And in the course of our conversation, more times than not, the conversation turns towards them sharing their hunger to know God. And sometimes they talk about how they experience the risen Christ, the man we call Jesus, in their own life. This is their faith story. It is their conversion experience. And each person's story is unique and sacred and holy as they are. However, despite the uniqueness of every story, they all are rooted in the one common denominator, a force of divine love and pure joy that has the power to transform people's lives in ways that we often could never, never imagine. This is what Easter is all about. Here we are in Easter time, as we look at the power of God's redeeming love to make what was broken and wounded whole and new again, to bring us back into relationship with the one true living God. 
This is the real meaning of the word, word righteousness. It means to be in right relationship. Well, this morning, we learn of one conversion experience from the book of Acts. Philip, the disciple, is in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit calls him to go out into the wilderness to meet a strange person, someone he doesn't even know. This person is a foreign dignitary who is a court official from Ethiopia and in charge of the queen's entire treasury. However, this official is also a eunuch, a castrated male, which was very much in keeping with the ancient world when persons were given uh, positions of authority. However, in keeping with the strict adherence of the law, this official would be considered an outcast. Be he a Jew, which he may very well be, or whether he's a Gentile, he seeks to know the God of Israel. Either way, he is shunned by temple authorities as someone to avoid, and therefore he is pushed to the margins. Yet, the Spirit insists that Philip lead the shadow of the temple in Jerusalem and go out beyond the city walls and venture into remote parts of the coastline of the Mediterranean to meet this one individual who most observant Jews would walk blocks to avoid coming in contact with him. However, Philip is undeterred. He is following Jesus' instruction that he gave to his friends. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there is Philip, peering down this dusty road, and he sees this grand chariot approach. The official is on his way home after making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. He's engrossed in reading the scroll of Isaiah, one of the great prophets of the Hebrew Bible. Now this man must be a person of great wealth just to possess this scroll. And he's of great learning to be able to read in the original Greek that the scroll was written. As is the custom of the time, he is reading out loud. Reading to oneself did not come into practice into the late 4th century when monasteries started to be developed. So Philip literally hears him speaking this passage from Isaiah, and he recognizes it. It's about what we call the suffering servant the lamb going silently to slaughter and given the grave injustice of his own death. And I imagine this official, this eunuch, identifies with a lamb going to slaughter in his own life. And he's desperate to know more. With the prompting of the spirit, Philip goes up to the chariot and asks this man, do you understand what you are reading? Immediately, the official starts to pepper Philip with all sorts of questions about the meaning of this passage. And at the official's invitation, he invites Philip to join him in the chariot. Probably, if this happened today, it would be like a street preacher in Washington, D.C., going up to a member of the Treasury Department 
and that official opening his door to his Lexus or his limo and saying, come on in, let's have a Bible study. It was that unusual. So there the two of them are in the chariot, and they're going on a long ride through this barren wilderness, but both so engrossed in the scripture, trying to discern the meaning of these sacred, yes, mysterious words. Then Philip goes on to tell this Ethiopian all about Jesus and his message of the good news that we are all healed of those things that get in the way of knowing and loving God. Just as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we too will experience the resurrected life as the much beloved children of God. Well, this official, this eunuch, is overwhelmed with joy to hear this incredibly good news that all are welcomed by this loving God with no exception. This has not been his life experience. He has been treated as inferior, as a second-class citizen. So this is incredible news to him that no one, without exception, is excluded from God's loving grace. Then all of a sudden, he sees a body of water off to the side, and he tentatively asks Philip, would it be possible for me to be baptized? Philip says, of course, and he does just that. And this official, now baptized by the Holy Spirit, marked as Christ's own forever, continues on his way, filled with incredible joy of this good news. In fact, he's the first one to bring the good news to Africa. Philip continues on his mission, Caesarea, and he never sees this official again. And he doesn't really need to, because what he has seen is firsthand how the Spirit works in our lives pushing the boundaries of this small Jewish sect called the Way, because it will be years before they're known as Christians. But the Spirit is prodding and pushing, sending Philip to out beyond the shadow of the temple to meet a perfect stranger. When he does this, something incredible happens. The Word of God comes alive for both Philip and the Ethiopian, as they experience God's extravagant grace that is so wide and so deep, no one is excluded from experiencing the Easter story. No matter your skin color, no matter your sexual orientation, no matter your education level, no matter your standing in society, no matter what you've done or have not done, you are not excluded because you are a child of God. As I reflect on this passage, I wonder who was converted in the story from Acts. Maybe there were two conversions, for both the official and Philip. Maybe the Spirit also directed the Ethiopian to stop and invite Philip into his chariot. You see, I don't believe conversion experience are one-time events. They are ongoing over and over and over again. 
people we encounter in our lives, the experience you and I share, all work towards bringing us closer to God, if we let. That's the caveat, if we let. You and I have been blessed with a gift of free will, and we have a say in this process of conversion. Sometimes, we can be our own worst enemy, preempting the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, maybe by our stubbornness, our ego, our fear of opening our hearts and being vulnerable. Or maybe we are bitter, cynical, from having been dealt a pretty tough hand in this life. Or maybe we simply feel God has forgotten us. Sometimes, no matter where we are in the spiritual journey, we simply have to take a leap of faith and take Jesus at his word. That we are loved, we are adored, just as we are, imperfect and fully human. Most of us, I am convinced, the longer I live, strive to do our very best we can. And we often fall short. But we get up each day, and we try again, and again, and again, and again. And we can do this because of one thing. We know that we are loved by God a God that knows only too well what it means to be human. Truth be told, we are usually much harder on ourselves than anyone else would dare to be. Often, the Spirit is at work in our lives with those around us, nodding us, prodding us, beckoning us to push the boundaries of our own faith as the Spirit pushed Philip to reach out and to be the spirit to someone else. Lutheran pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber recently wrote, I think God is wanting to be known. And my experience of God wanting to be known is much more in that person who is annoying me at the moment than in the beautiful sunset. I wonder how often I have missed the opportunity to see the risen Christ in that person who is right in front of me. Maybe the one who is hurting and broken. Maybe that annoying person is a mirror of my own hurt and brokenness that I simply don't want to acknowledge or own. But again, isn't that what Easter is all about? The risen Christ comes to us in the brokenness of his own body with the promise of making us whole. This is the resurrection story that began on that first Easter morning with the discovery of the empty tomb. And it continues on and on in all corners of the world and in each of our lives. Each week here at St. John, I witness the Holy Spirit working in the lives of a small group of men and women who are part of a new ministry called Education for Ministry, EFM. Each one 
of these individuals has made the commitment to rigorously study scripture and to come together in the midst of their busy, busy schedules each week to share with their wisdom, their insight, as they wrestle with the difficult questions of faith, life, and God, making sense of this all. Over the course of the last several months, a most loving and caring community of seekers has emerged out of this ministry. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Spirit is working in this small group, prodding and nudging them much like the Spirit did with Philip when he was directed to go to the edges of his faith, to welcome the stranger into the household of God, realizing there are no boundaries whatsoever that can keep us apart from God. So I leave you with some questions to ponder this week. The Holy Spirit is alive and at work in your lives. So where is the Spirit leading you? Who might be called to walk alongside you? Or maybe you are called to walk alongside another person on this journey of faith we share together. And what chance encounters in your life are really the Spirit working within you, meeting you where you are in your life right now, begging and beckoning you to the edges of your own faith to experience the wideness of God's mercy.
as branches of Jesus, the living vine, abiding in the spirit of love, we bring our prayers to God, eternal loving one. Accept the wishes of our hearts as we pray faithfully saying, for God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. Gracious one, you have called us to abide in your life and to bear witness to Christ the Lamb. Grant that the church may reveal your love through Jesus, that we might live in him and so bear much fruit. For God is love and perfect love. Light of the world, dominion belongs to you, for you rule over the nations. Raise up for your church bold witnesses like Philip, who will testify to the rich and powerful about God's good news, which is perfected in love, so that peace may abound in our time. For God is love. Attentive vine grower, you tend the branches and fruit of your vine extending to the ends of the earth. Let your loving attention reach out to all people who live in suffering and threatening conditions, that they may be restored to life and fruitfulness. We pray especially for those on our parish prayer list and for those we name now, either aloud or in the silence of our hearts. For God is love, and perfect love casts out all Gather into your banquet all who have died, especially Dennis Norris, and those in whose memory the altar flowers are given. May their hearts live forever, for God is love. You have planted us in the nurturing ground of your steadfast love, O God, and grafted us into the life of your resurrected Son, Jesus our Savior. Keep us evermore abiding within your spirit of love, that we may bear the fruit of reconciliation of all that is and is to come, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be always with you.
be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God of all power, ruler of the universe, you are worthy of glory and praise. At your command, all things came to be, the vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets, and their courses, and this fragile earth, our island home. From the primal elements, you brought forth the human race and blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. You made us the rulers of creation, but we turned against you and betrayed your trust, and we turned against one another. Again and again you call us to return. Through prophets and sages you revealed your righteous law. And in the fullness of time you sent your only son, born of a woman, to fulfill your law, to open for us the way of freedom and peace. And therefore we praise you, joining with the heavenly chorus, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with all those in every generation who have looked to you in hope to proclaim with them your glory in their unending hymn. <laughs> Remembering now his work of redemption and offering to you his sacrifice of thanksgiving. We celebrate his death and resurrection as we await the day of his coming. Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord God of our mothers, God of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. 
God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in the world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in his name. Accept these prayers and praises, God, through Jesus Christ, our great High Priest, to whom with you and the Holy Ghost, your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say,
almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, let us ask to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our May the God who has brought us out of bondage into sin, into true and everlasting freedom in the Redeemer, bring you to your eternal inheritance. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.